Welcome to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Wednesday, February 28th. I am coming to you from Walla Walla, Washington. This is a Mariners cast focused primarily on a couple of injury news uh, topics that came up from Ryan Divish yesterday in, in the Seattle Times. I will also cover uh, Mariners' first base situation, uh, top to bottom, uh, from minor leagues to major leagues. We're going to talk about what the future at first base looks like, what first base looks like this year. But to get started, Ryan Divish uh, came out yesterday in the Seattle Times talking about uh, first Matt Brash. So the Matt Brash injury news as read in the Seattle Times was that Matt Brash was shut down from throwing after feeling, quote, banged up following his bullpen session last Tuesday. The young reliever didn't provide many details, but looked down at his elbow during the conversation. Mariners manager Scott Service had no details on the situation, both in his morning media sessions and in recent radio interview. Scott Service wouldn't provide details on where Brash was hurting, although Brash was looking at his elbow. Service said they'll have service said they will have an update to the issue in the next couple of days. And then the drop, the bomb that kind of dropped was uh, industry sources believe that Brash could miss an extensive amount of time, possibly the season. So that was the bomb that Ryan Divish dropped yesterday obviously mariner the mariner twitters just kind of went buck wild and you know sky was falling season's over all those sorts of things um and yeah matt brash is phenomenal one of the most exciting relievers to watch in baseball 100 mile an hour fastball lots of other different pitches the slider's probably his best pitch quality wise um and it would be Sad. It would be really disappointing for Matt Brash to uh, be out for 2024. You're talking about last season, 20.2 innings, 107 strikeouts, 34.7% strikeout rate, 9.4% walk rate, 238 average against, and that was uh, despite a 380 BABIP, uh, just almost 14 strikeouts per nine innings. Phenomenal pitcher. Right. No doubt. Twenty twenty four uh, holds four saves. And he was worth two point one fan graphs war, which uh, was good for fourth in baseball. So fan from a fan graphs war perspective, you are talking about the fourth best reliever in 2023. Tanner Scott, two point eight fan graphs war. Felix Bautista, two point eight. David Bednar, two point three. Matt Brash, two point one. Next Mariner was Andres Munoz, 1.3, Justin Topa, 1.1, Paul Sewald as a Mariner, 1.0. So where does that leave us? Fourth best reliever in baseball, potentially out for all of 2024. Upsetting, to say the least, dynamic pitcher, super fun. Uh, you know, you kind of associate Matt Brass with the Jerry Depoto regime and what he's able to produce with uh, – with big arms out of the bullpen. What does this leave us with? Uh, According to Divish, 
his bullpen to start the season without brass would read Andres Munoz as the closer. Then you've got Gregory Santos acquired from the White Sox, Carlos Vargas acquired from the Diamondbacks, Jackson Kowar acquired from the Braves, Trent Thornton, Austin Voth, Taylor Saucedo, Gabe Spire. Six righties, two lefties. You got a lot of 100 miles an hour, 100 mile an hour fastballs in that bullpen. Certainly Munoz, Santos, Vargas for sure. Kowar can get close. It's still a great bullpen. It's not the same without Brash, but it's still a great bullpen. But here are the things I'm going to say. One, bullpen arms are incredibly volatile, right? Bullpen injuries are incredibly common. You're not, you know, starter injuries are obviously common as well, but it's very different, right? You're going out and throwing 100% for maybe 15, 20 pitches, and you're putting as much effort behind your pitches as you possibly can. It's why you have people in the bullpen tick up after starting uh, velocity wise. It's why you have a lot of hundred mile an hour fastballs out of the bullpen. And it puts a huge strain on your arm and think about how Matt Brash pitches. Think about how hard he throws. Think about the, the torque and the movement of his slider, right? How does this slider move? It looks like a cartoon pitch. And when you do that out of the bullpen, eventually your arm is going to struggle. Matt Brash last season, 88.8 miles an hour on the slider. He threw it 50.5% of the time. 2,800 plus RPMs on the slider. 48.5% whiff rate. But you're talking about a pitch that is really, really hard on your on your arm. Almost, ni- almost 90 miles an hour almost 3,000 RPMs, and you threw it more than 50% of the time. 33.7% fastball at 98.1 miles an hour. He threw a curveball. He threw a couple of cutters. He threw a couple of sinkers. But the point is, slider-heavy pitcher, throwing the slider almost 90 miles an hour, 2,800-plus RPMs on on the slider, and a 98-mile-an-hour fastball for 70 innings, it's going to take its toll. And I think my point with bullpen arms being volatile and bullpen injuries being common is just that you've got to expect eventually for bullpen arms to break. Only the great ones can pitch forever without getting hurt, right? You look at like a Mariano Rivera, part of it is that he just threw one pitch. And the reason, part of the reason why he threw the cutter was his arm and his wrist kind of rotated in a certain way and he was very comfortable throwing that pitch and it's why the pitch had so much movement but unless you have somebody like that you've got to expect bullpen arms to get hurt sometimes they're not typically very durable look at Andres Munoz and his injury history over the last couple of years he's been in and out of the bullpen it just it is what it is when you throw 100 miles an hour so even the Jacob deGrom right Jacob deGrom at 100% can't throw more than like 15 starts And still Texas went out and paid a ton for him. But that kind of strain on your arm kills you. And so it's not a surprise that Brash is hurt. I think we are all jumping to conclusions as to how much time he's going to miss, but it does not sound good as of right now. So where does that leave this year's bullpen? I read the names. You know, Santos has done it before. Munoz has done it before. Spire's done it before. Saucedo's done it before. 
but you're expecting specifically Kowar and Vargas to play big roles and they have big arms, but you're expecting them to play big roles. If there's any organization in baseball that is capable of taking those arms and making them into dominant relievers, it's the Seattle Mariners. So we have that going for us. Also, bullpen arms are important. They're not the end all. What I have in my notes is it's going to be okay. I took a look at Fangraph's war for relievers, and there were 62 relievers that had 1.0 Fangraph's Fangraph war or more. So one Fangraph war or more, 62 different relievers. Okay, which is basically an average of two per team. The Mariners had four last year in Seawald, Topa, Munoz, and Brash. So Munoz is the only guy standing. You'll have pitchers in higher leverage situations, but chances are the Mariners will have at least two, potentially three. I'm not worried about the bullpen minus Brash. I think it might not be as good, but I'm, it's not a worry of mine. Names included on this list of one Fangraphs war or more out of the pen, Trevor Gott. Remember him? Will Vest, former Mariner. As I said, Justin Topa, former Mariner. Andres Munoz, Gregory Santos. There are a lot of names who can produce one Fangraphs war out of the bullpen. And again, if you were to pick one organization to produce one or two names or one or two dominant relievers out of thin air, it is going to be the Seattle Mariners. And as we saw over the offseason, they kept up, they kept picking up Right-handed reliever after right-handed reliever after right-handed reliever. And all they need to do is hit on a couple of those guys. We've seen a couple of them in spring training already. They've got very good arms. It's not the golden arm type of a Carlos Vargas or a Jackson Kowar, but you're talking about guys throwing in the mid-90s still. So I don't know. This is not a – losing Matt Brash is not a worry for me. Losing Matt Brash is not taking you from a 93-win team to an 87-win team. It's not. It's not George Kirby. It's not Luis Castillo. It's not Logan Gilbert or any of the other two. It's just not. So will I miss him if he's out for the season? For sure. Do they need to find another fireman? For sure. Is it a little scary not having seen Vargas or Kowar in that role before? Absolutely. And we don't know what we have in Gregory Santos because he was on the White Sox last year, but I'm not worried about this bullpen's ability to be strong and to not give up leads. Now you lose Munoz and it's, it looks a little bit different, right? You lose those two guys. It looks a little bit different, but for now, that's not something that I'm worried about. And I don't think it's something you should worry about either. Secondly, Luis Urias injury news comes out again. This is Ryan Divish, Seattle times quote, but who's playing to his right when the season opens. It's interesting. You're talking about JP. Luis Urias isn't listed on the on the projected roster due to issues with his throwing shoulder. After an uninspiring start stint playing winter ball in Mexico, Urias arrived at spring training in less than stellar shape and dealing with the shoulder issue. While he's been playing catch, a very light and deliberate toss at about 70 feet, he seems to be a long way from being able to throw across the diamond with any authority. Until that changes, he's projected to be on the injured list when the season starts. Urias is considered a below average defensive third baseman, even with a healthy shoulder. Not good news. We're talking about a player that we are counting on at minimum being the 
short side platoon third baseman, but certainly a certainly an infield bat, a guy that can play second base as well. Has played shortstop in his time. Sounds like in the shape he's in, he's not playing shortstop. Um, has hit for some power. So a player that, quite frankly, the Mariners were counting on for some level of production this season. And then we get news that he comes in out of shape and his shoulders busted. So if Divish is saying he's not probably not going to be on the opening day roster, it is safe to assume he's not going to be on the opening day roster. Again, where does that leave us? you got Ty France at first, Polanco at second, JP at short. you got Rojas at third. And now you're going to need someone to hit against left-handed pitching to play third base. He has, meaning Divish, has Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty on the bench. I contend that Haggerty may be replaced by Samad Taylor, but we will see. They both have options. Um, I think either Moore or Haggerty can can spell Rojas against left-handed pitching if need be. I personally don't. That's not the move I would make, to be honest. Well, so one other thing, Urias does have options left. So say he's out of shape and he's trying to get his shoulder in shape. You can send him down to AAA and have him rehabilitate and get in shape before you bring him back up. That is an option because he does have one option left. Um, that is something I think the Mariners can and should consider because I do think he's a, he's a semi-talented bat. However, what I would do is, well, one other thing. The Mariners also have Brian Anderson and Michael Chavis as non-roster invitees. Brian Anderson is 30. He had uh, 2.9 and 2.7 Fangraph war seasons in 2018 and 19. Uh, Played for the Brewers, played for the Marlins. Um, Kind of a, you know, utility type player, can play corner outfield, can play third base. So professional. And I think similar to Urias in some ways. I think Urias is more talented and younger, but Anderson is similar. There's a reason why they brought him in. Michael Chavis, former first-round pick of the Red Sox, never really been good, really bounced around quite a bit. Uh, but a right-handed bat, nevertheless, I think could play third base in a pinch. So either of those two could play the Urias role if you want a veteran to do that. Um, I don't love either of those two candidates. I think Anderson more so than Chavis, but neither of those two Uh, really pop for me. But here's the other scenario that I think makes a ton of sense. Jorge Polanco played 15 games at third base last season for the Minnesota Twins. This is when Edouard Julian, their top prospect, or one of their top prospects came up. They moved Polanco to third. Uh, I really love this idea because the Mariners have more talent at second base and shortstop than they do at third base coming up. So Polanco last season was a negative seven outs above average, according to uh, baseball savant ranked in the sixth percentile overall. And he played primarily second base. So you couple that with JP Crawford, who also was pretty terrible at shortstop. And you're talking about a defense up the middle that doesn't have a ton of range. You know, despite the names, these are name brands, but they don't, they're not great defensively. JP Crawford, negative eight outs above average, fifth percentile. So it might be a struggle 
on ground balls up the middle with Polanco at second and JP at third. Now you move Polanco to third where he has good hands and he's got a decent arm, but now he's in a more stationary position where he's not expected to have as much range. And I think Polanco could be a very good third baseman. Here's what the Mariners have at second coming up. You have Samad Taylor, right? We talked about Samad Taylor as a utility player. I think Samad Taylor could certainly hit against lefties, provides speed, provides range. I like that idea a lot. I think the bigger one for me is you have Ryan Bliss, who was phenomenal in the minor leagues last season. He's 24 years old. He was acquired from the Diamondbacks last season. And last season in AAA in Tacoma, he had 10 homers in 47 games, 12.8% walk rate, 23% K rate, 251, 356, 466 slug with 20 stolen bases at second base. Ryan Bliss is a legitimate prospect. I think he was number nine or 10 among second base prospects as ranked by MLB Pipeline. And he's a player we don't talk about as much. So Bliss, to me, at 24 years old, it's kind of now or never. I would make the argument that I almost would prefer Ryan Bliss over the platoon of Luis Urias and Josh Rojas, but we know the Mariners aren't going to do that. The Urias injury and being out of shape may actually provide the impetus to bring Ryan Bliss up. He went three for three either yesterday or two days ago in spring training. I, I like him. And I really feel like Ryan Bliss could take over second base and do a, a decent job and play a pretty good second base defensively. The defense would be better with Bliss at second, JP at short, and Polanco at third. But we'll see what the Mariners choose to do. And then the kind of the nuclear option or the break glass in case of emergency option would be to take Cole Young, one of your top three prospects, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago. We talked about him yesterday, in fact, with his ringing double to left center off of a lefty. We know he's going to hit. We know that he is pretty good defensively, specifically at second base, and that he's very talented, right? So he's he is your second baseman of the future, likely, unless Bliss shows out. So Cole Young's 20. Question is, is he ready for the major leagues? I think he uh, carries himself like a major leaguer. He certainly has the talent of a major leaguer. You would be accelerating your timeline if you were to bring Cole Young up. But I think it's something the Mariners at least have to discuss internally. At that point, you bring up Cole Young. Polanco moves to third, settles in at third, and Rojas becomes a super utility player. I don't think that's a bad option. Lastly, the Mariners could certainly see if Tyler Locklear can still play third base. Um, he looks like a first baseman to me, pretty stiff, played third base in college. Uh, that is an option as well. If it is me, if I'm Jerry Depoto and Luis Urias is not available to begin this season, I'm bringing Ryan Bliss up and I'm putting him at second and Blanco at third. I don't think having both Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore as bench players is the right decision for this team. This team needs more talent. This team needs more talent. That's part of why Samad Taylor was brought in. I think Samad Taylor above Sam Haggerty for sure, even if Urias is uh, healthy. So we'll see what they do at third. Overall, the news of Urias being out of shape and injured and 
Matt Brash potentially missing 2024 is is not news you want. It's bad news, but it is not deal breaking for me. The world is not ending. You were talking about the short side platoon at third bay or the the shorts, the right-handed bat to hit left-handed pitching at third base. Urias is probably going to get 300 at-bats for the Mariners this season. Helping out in other places and playing third. It's not the biggest loss in the world, and the Mariners have depth up the middle and a little bit of depth at third. Losing Matt Brash, like I said, you're losing the fourth best reliever in baseball in 2023. You've got to expect some attrition at times out of the bullpen, and the Mariners were smart about picking up incredible arms in the offseason. Is it a loss? Absolutely. Is Urias's injury a loss? Potentially. They do not make or break this season. They do not, for me, impact the Mariners' win total projection. They just don't. I think you could expect some regression from Brash, and I don't know how much you could truthfully expect from Urias this season. So I'm not tripping. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to keep an eye on who their replacements are. I am very interested to see what this roster looks like, but am I worried about Urias and Brash? I'm not. So we will talk uh, real quickly about Mariners uh, kind of situation, present and long-term at first base. Uh, Ty France, as we know, went to driveline this off season. Uh, his salary this season is $6.775 million. He's looked fast or faster than he has in the past. He looks a little bit more slim. We know that he's increased his bat speed. Uh, I think Ty France is back, and I think Ty France is going to hit pretty well this season. He's a free agent in 26. Um, And just historically, you know, he's been a high average, lesser power at first base than you might want, but higher average uh, professional hitter. 2021, it was a 129 WRC+. plus with 18 home runs and a 291 average 2022 he hit 274 20 home runs and a 125 wrc plus last year he really fell off 250 average 12 home runs and a 104 wrc plus at that point i was ready to ship him out everybody was ready to ship him out he was hitting into 10,000 double plays frustrating looked out of shape swing looked off goes to driveline this offseason really works on it gets in better shape and so the hope is you're getting 21, 22 Thai France and not 23 Thai France. If you do get 21, 22 Thai France, you're talking about a hitter that is 25% better than league average. That's a really good hitter. Is that a top first baseman? No, he's not going to be right-handed Freddie Freeman. But it's a good hitter at a good salary for the next year or two if he can maintain it. I think I'm okay with Ty France being the opening day first baseman, especially given, you know, the cost of some of the options. Could the Mariners have gone out inside Cody Bellinger? They could have, but I don't know that Bellinger is, has any fewer question marks than France does quite frankly. And I think France's production while not the same as Bellinger, it's, you're still talking about a higher average hitter with, 20-ish home runs, right? And the steals don't matter all that much other than for fantasy. So I don't know. I, I'm okay with Ty France. It's not the greatest option in the world. I think the Mariners have a lot of hitters that bash lefties. I think there needs to be a little more balance. 
but he plays an average first base defensively. Um, he's a professional hitter. He worked on his game this offseason. He's coming in shape. I'm excited to see what Ty France can provide. If he still sucks in June, it's time to find alternatives. He's done. One alternative the Mariners can consider is Luke Rayleigh. Mariners acquired left-handed hitting Luke Rayleigh from the Tampa Bay Rays this offseason. He's 29 years old, 6'4", 235, not a free agent until 2029. Last season, he had a 130 WRC+. plus. He was worth 2.6 fan graphs for. Uh, he does strike out a lot, 31.5% strikeout rate, 19 home runs and 406 plate appearances. He, in the first half, had a 155 WRC+, plus, second half, 93. So... You could make the argument that pitchers found some holes in his bat, but he hits the ball incredibly hard. He's actually a really good athlete, 87th percentile sprint speed, which you wouldn't expect from a guy that big, and 89th percentile arm strength. So very good athlete, left-handed hitter. Uh, I think he'll play some first base when they want to give Ty France a rest, and I think you'll see Rayleigh play a lot of corner outfield. He's actually a pretty decent um corner outfielder. He could even play center in a pinch, believe it or not, at that size. Uh, 42% ground ball last year, 44.7% fly ball, 46.1% pull rate. So pulls the ball a good amount, um, gets the ball in the air enough, but not at an uh, abnormally high level. I just think he, while he doesn't fit what the Mariners were looking for from a strikeout perspective in terms of what they wanted to change, Going from 23 to 24, you were talking about an effective player, a power threat, a speed threat. He's not going to hurt you defensively. He can play first, left, or right field, and probably worth two to three Fangraphs war um, this season. Great acquisition, traded Jose Caballero for him. Uh, I think you see him as a part of the Mariners for the next couple of years. He is not arbitration eligible until 26 and is a free agent in 29. By 29, he's going to be 34 years old. You're not going to want to sign him to a free agent contract anyway. So having Luke Rayleigh and Ty France on the Major League roster, um, I think, gives the Mariners at minimum league average uh, or league average production at first base. Um, I'm including Rayleigh at first. I don't know how much first he's going to play, but I think it's, it's league average production there uh, at a very – cheap cost next the Mariners do have Tyler Locklear coming up he's 22 years old he was drafted in the second round in 22 right-handed hitter uh I have him as a 50 hit and 55 to 60 power uh last season in 23 he played rookie ball high a and double a 309 at bats he had 13 home runs um Tyler Locklear in a 907 OPS, 12.5% walk rate. Uh, he's a good hitter. Like I said, a little stiff. Um, not a third baseman anymore, in my opinion. I think he would provide, if you plugged him in right now, he would provide more power than Ty France, maybe a little bit less hit tool. Uh, but Locklear is a player who is pretty well regarded amongst, amongst scouts. You see him, I have him as my 94th overall prospect in baseball. Uh, you see him on a lot of first base lists. I believe he was my number six first baseman, if I'm not mistaken, something in that range. Uh, but a prospect, right? Kind of of the ilk of Ryan Bliss in that 
a little bit under the radar, uh, could very well be an average offensive producer at the position if given the time. So Locklear is on the way. I think Locklear is Ty France insurance. He should be ready by the all-star break. I don't know if that means they bring him up or not, but a great player to have around if you decide that Ty France isn't worth the arbitration money next season, or if you think that Ty France isn't ever going to be 21-22 for Ty France. And then lastly, I, for one, and I might be in the minority, believe that Lazaro Montes, uh, left-handed power-hitting prospect for the Mariners, is, I believe he's a first baseman. He is 6'5", about 250 already. He started in center field when they signed him. He's moved to right field since then. I think he moves to first base, keeps moving down that defensive spectrum. He's too big. And he has some, he has a lot of athleticism and a little quickness, but to me, he's too big to play corner outfield. And I believe he's a first baseman long-term or a DH. Uh, they've called him Baby Jordan uh, for Jordan Alvarez. Tremendous power. You're talking about like 70 in-game power. Probably a 50 hit tool. Um, I could see it getting to a 55 and seeing him become a superstar, but I'm not projecting that quite yet. But I think he hits 30 home runs in his sleep uh, in the in Major League Baseball when he uh, when he matures, and I think you'll see him rocket absolutely rocket up prospect lists uh, midseason. He's going to destroy a ball. He probably ends up in Double A pretty quickly. And I think he's going to come quickly. You could see him as a major leaguer as a 20-year-old. Last season, 303 average, 440 on base, uh, 1,000 OPS, 13 homers, and 241 at-bats. Um, he's a beast. I have Lazaro Montes as my number 17 overall major league baseball prospect in my top 100. Uh, but incredibly talented player. The Mariners at first base are set for a long, long time. If the Mariners just kept the players they had and let Ty France go when he hit free agency in 26, maybe even earlier, if you can find a trade partner, keep Luke Ray, Luke Rayleigh. Luke Rayleigh could be your strong side platoon first baseman. You have Locklear take some at-bats versus right-handed pitching and all the at-bats against left-handed pitching. By next year, he'll be 23 years old, 24 years old, ready to rock. And then down the line, if you need Rayleigh to play a corner or if, you know, Rayleigh isn't who you think he is, Lazaro Montes becomes your first baseman. Or Mitch Garver has gone after a couple of years as DH and, and Montes becomes your full-time DH. But the Mariners are in, I believe, a very healthy spot at first base, despite the average production expected from the major leaguers right now. Overall, down the road, between present and you know 2028-29 if Locklear and Montes are both first basemen and they hold on to both of them Mariners gonna be okay I think the the health of this position is very good similar to catcher so again just to recap Matt Brash injury news not great uh doesn't destroy my hopes Luis Urias news about his shape and his health not great doesn't bring me down too much. I think both positions are replaceable. I think both positions do not impact the Mariners nearly as much as people think they do. Um, and I think Mariners are going to be okay. 
uh, I am going to make some lunch and turn on MLB TV so I can watch Yoshinobu Yamamoto's uh, debut for the LA Dodgers, uh, just because I'm interested and should be fun. It does not impact the Mariners, but should be fun. I will come back with uh, an update as news hits. Uh, if I have time, I will run down today's Mariners game. Uh, but again, never fun news during spring training happens quite often. You got to take it as it comes. I think the Mariners are still going to be all right. Uh, can't wait. It is baseball season, folks, 24-7 baseball. Whether you're doing databases like I am, watching highlights, watching full games, doing podcasts, listening to podcasts, this is my favorite time of the year. I cannot wait for the regular season to start, but I'm super, super happy right now. Take care, y'all. Enjoy your Wednesday. Appreciate you listen. Talk to you soon.